As a OneOuter.com podcast listener, we're offering a special discount for joining PokerXFactor.com. You can qualify for a massive $70 off your sign-up. All you need to do is enter promotional code OneOuter70. That's O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-7-0. for uh, me to speak with uh, Alex Fitzgerald, also known as Assassinito. Is that right? Assassinito online? It's a it's assassinato, but don't worry. Assassinato. <laughs> you say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> and um, a well-respected online tournament player um, has cashed around $2 million from various uh, tracking sites I've looked at. Um, a regular face on the EPT, um, respected author, I love his writing in Bluff magazines. I've read plenty of your articles, Alex. And also, um, he's involved in a project just now, PokerHeadRush.com, which is one of the best, in terms of content-wise, uh, poker sites I've been reading lately. I especially like the guy you've got on there, Jack Welsh. So it's a great pleasure to speak with you today, Alex. Hey, thank you for having me, sir. Mr. No Chalmers. Barry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Barry's fine. <laughs> So, um, yeah, well, maybe just kick things off since it's a current, you know, state of affairs uh, with Black Friday a few weeks ago now, the sort of effective end of online poker in the meantime in the U.S. Um, I know you're based in Costa Rica, Alex, but you're a U.S. citizen. Um, uh, so how, how do you sort of see things now? How's it affected you? Uh, you know, for a while it wasn't too bad because it was just like when Washington State would not let me play on Poker Stars. I just booted up a lot of tables on Full Tilt and made up the difference. But Full Tilt's recently made the policy that even if you're abroad, you cannot play as an American citizen. So I'm kind of rushing right now to get my papers together here. And, uh, yeah, it's you know, it's very frustrating. I have a lot of money in limo, limbo. Uh, I have a lot of money not doing anything, and uh, it's uh, I I had to miss some huge FTOPS events that I really wouldn't have wanted to miss, and I really just think this is bad for everyone. They're forcing me to get a foreign bank account. They're they're pushing this further away from regulation. I think we'll get to regulation, but it, it, right now I don't think this feels really like a step forward. Yeah, I mean, that's actually news to me today. Um, I didn't know that they'd stopped U.S. players, so I take it even if you've registered in the U.S., even if you're outside the U.S., they're just not letting you play at all. No, they, uh, yeah, they changed me back to the United States, and they said you can't play any tournaments, and I found that out on uh, F-Top Sunday for one of their biggest events, so I was pretty wow. pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. crazy. That is crazy, you know, especially in this day and age when, if you're traveling and you're based, you know, something like yourself, Costa Rica, or if you're in Europe and you can't log on and play online, I mean, it's just so absurd, you know, it's just, it's one of these things with the US I just don't get, I remember watching a, a documentary, it's a really good film, it's called Broke, The New American Dream, um, yeah. and, if and it's it's all about, they've actually got Chris Ferguson and Howard Lederer on the, the documentary. Really? Yeah, they're talking about, it was filmed a couple of years ago. I can get you a copy. The guy that was that created the film, Michael Covell, he's a investor and a speculator, and he also makes documentaries, and it's an amazing thing. And they've got Lederer and stuff on talking about it. 
and they're saying, how can the country, you know, they have state-sponsored lotteries, which is the huge gambling of like 80 million to one or whatever in these super lotteries. They're state-sponsored and they collect taxes and they're saying that poker, you know, should be banned in illegal online poker. It just baffles me completely because in the UK, Scotland, it's tax-free here, poker. And yeah. your, your winnings are tax-free. You can play online, you can play live, you can do whatever you want, and it's it's tax-free. There's nothing, you know, it's actually probably encouraged, you know, here as a pastime. And you just look at America in terms of land of the free, etc. It's just, I find it so absurd. I can't even get my head around it. If I was in America, I just would be banging my head against a brick wall, I think. Well, you know, the even more frustrating thing is we pay taxes. You know, I, I don't really, uh, to me, it's like I'm running a dice game on the street, and they, the, the, I'm looking out for the cops to bust my dice game, but once the dice game is over, they want 40%. Yeah. That's not work. <laughs> you, know, you either let me run my dice game in the street and tax it, or you, you, I got to look out for you busting me. You can't have it both ways. And you know what? These politicians that are talking so much, am I allowed to swear? Can yeah, I, can yeah, I, yeah. Can yeah, I, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, these politicians that talk so much shit about the moral imperative of uh, gambling, they, I'm paying their paychecks. I send them money for that, and they don't take, you know, I got to, like, I can understand why they felt the need to confront Full Tilt and Poker Stars if they were really doing a lot of the things they allege, but I'm just wondering why it's gotten to this state anyway. I If I'm in the land of the free, I should be allowed to play poker, which is, I mean, you watch an old Western uh you watch an old Western television show or movie, they're playing p- poker. If you go into most of the states in the Union, you can play poker in their own taxed card rooms. But when it comes down to something they're not sure how to tax, they'd rather just tell it. They'd rather just uh, go with this. And, you know, I, I don't know. It really pisses me off. And it, it's, it's so sad because in our system, it is, it's 10 times harder to repeal a law than it is to make a law so we're just all stuck in this uh in this crap it it takes so long to change anything in our system and it's really sad for a country that's supposed to be the land of the free to be so regulated and to be so confused at this time yeah it's crazy i mean you also you compare it to things like i mean in the uk we don't there's no guns on this you know in homes and stuff or things like that and in America, I mean, I don't want to get in the rights and wrongs of gun ownership and stuff. I don't really care, to be honest. But in terms of things like that, you can go and buy a gun in a supermarket, you know, Walmart or whatever in some yeah. states. And then you can't play online poker. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I just think it's like these these thought police. And there was someone on CNBC saying there was a correlation between online gambling poker and child abuse. And the guy, actually, the talking head said, look, you need to come back because that is just completely made up, you know, on the spot. There's just no way. There's just no way. You know, in in my home country, I I might be wrong, but I believe it's legal to own a flamethrower in many of the states, and you're not allowed to smoke a joint or play poker. Give me a fucking break. Eat my shit. Let's be honest. Everybody needs a flamethrower. You need at least one flamethrower in your house. <laughs> you know, the zombie it's, invasion, dog. You yeah. gotta be prepped. Yeah, it's kind of. I would. I'm with them on that, actually. So, uh, okay. Well, Black Friday. I mean, that's amazing. So you've got a lot of mo- like money. You don't need to say amounts to that, but you got money held up in full tilt. And I've just seen today that um, Ultimate Bet, an absolute poker, uh, 
you know, the two um, poster boys of sort of online poker controversy. They've filed for <laughs> bankruptcy today. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you have something else? No, 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 no. No, it, I, I am not surprised at all that they would use this as an excuse to not refund anybody. Uh, I've always thought that company shady. I, I've played maybe 10 tournaments in the past two, three years on mm -hmm. UB. Like, I'm not going to act like I was, uh, I was like a total goody goody. I, I did a few times do the typical poker player thing, like, wow, they're scumbags. This mm -hmm. prize pool looked amazing. But at the same time, I never kept a cent in there for a reason. And, and today it's just proven. They've never uh, – they've just blatantly never cared. They, they've never cared about security. They've never cared about their players. And they really, really have shown this right now. And I think it's really disappointing. And I'm so sad for a few of my friends that had a lot of money locked in there. But at the same time, I don't know, not, ex not unexpected at all. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I can't see them getting... I know Isaac Haxton was selling like 300k for 20 cents on the dollar or something. I mean, good good luck Jesus. getting that. I don't think anyone's going to be uh, snapping his hand off for that. Yeah, I read that on a forum today. But I mean, but think, think about it. Like, who, would you have ever left 300,000 and you'd be like... Isaac Haxton is a fantastic player and has done a lot in this industry, but why... It, on God's green earth, would you leave $300,000 in the account of a company that allowed super users? Not just, in a million years. <laughs> just, just why? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know, man. I had, I had, here's where I leave 300k. I had 4k in full tilt, and I'm based in the UK, and on Black Friday, I left the casino to come home and withdraw that straight away. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's a smart move, but you couldn't do it. Could you, have you gotten your money? Yeah, I got. I couldn't do it at the start, and then eventually, a few. I think that's just because there was like a high volume of people, you know, like a run on the bank. I think it was a technical issue in the UK, and then eventually, the, I got an email saying it had been approved, and then the money came through about three days later in my account. So I, I did get the money out, although I ordered a, an iPod Touch off of uh, Player Points, and I don't know if that's going to arrive. It was quite funny. I, I recently qualified for the the black card on full tilt myself and I emailed black card support to ask what was happening, you know, with funds and our UK players, you know, a hundred percent on our deposits. Okay. etc. And the email was bounced back on deliverable. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I was like, well, welcome to black card, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to the wild west dude in 20 years, ah. we'll be talking about this, like it was this gigantic joke. Like yeah. nobody's going to believe what we had to deal with 20 years from now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, insane. it's insane. I mean, the the important thing I think for people, I was speaking on the Quad Jacks uh, radio show about it. They had like an emergency show on the Friday talking about Black Friday, and I said, um, these young guys, I f the people like the Isaac Haxons and guys that have made millions or whatever, and they've obviously got a lot of money squirreled away. They're going to be fine because you know they've got. Comfortable, even if like the worst case scenario, they could never play a hand of online poker again. They can still make a living from that money. So it's the guys that have been grinding out their rent money and their groceries, and they don't know anything else. This for yeah. them, this this for them is the end of the world, really. You know, a guy that's grinding out a couple of thousand dollars a month or whatever. I mean, what does he yeah. do well, if he's not if he doesn't live near a casino? Yeah, well, even if you go to a casino and you go from playing 2,000 hands a day to 30 hands a day, like yeah. how many hands you put in is your money. And, yeah, I mean, 
uh, I was really freaking out when all this happened just because I had a lot of money just immediately frozen. And it seemed just awful timing because I had so much money in the American sites than I normally do. But and then I start. I teach a lot of like American grinders who just and uh, you know I just know a lot of guys that grind it out, play singos and whatever. And you know they're good people, make thirty, fifty, seventy thousand a year playing poker. Don't know how to do shit else. A lot of them, you know, I'm not gonna lie. A lot of them like used to deal drugs and do stuff like that. And now this is a legitimate way they thought they could get away from all that. And now they get now they have to go figure out another way to make money. What do you think they're gonna go back to? Yeah. And, 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 uh, and yeah. all you had to do was give them a card game. They were good at a card game. You know, they worked uh, an American card game who we pride ourselves on. We act as if it's a bit of character in the American ethos. In the American, yeah. if you are a good poker player, we communicate that with being good at dancing or fucking or driving. It's mm-hmm. just something. It's just something that shows you're more of a man. And we can't even let people do that online just because we don't understand it. And uh, I don't know. It makes me sick. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. And um, I don't know. If it does no sign of things getting better in the short run anyway, but. Is it's crazy, man. I hope you know, guys, like you all get it sorted out. Guys that are moving out of the US, but for guys that, that it's not an option or they, they just don't want to, I mean, it, it really is sad. It's sad, really, you know, when you think about it. It's just yeah, like, I, 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 you know what, I don't even understand it. I just think people are all the discussions come back to the same thing, they go round and round the rights and all. And I just think people struggle to understand it because it's such a non argument, it's just such a you know. An almost irrelevant point, you would think, for someone can't log on and play online poker, whether it's tournament, cash games, from the comfort of their own home, you know, whatever. It's just, and you have state-sponsored lotteries, and you can go and buy a gun, or you can, you know, go. You have a city built on gambling in America, Las Vegas, you know, that's famous all yeah, over the yeah. world, that is built on gambling, and you can't gamble from your home if you choose to do so. It's crazy. But, yeah, I have- I, uh, well, no, I have a good friend who's paid 500000 in the last couple of years for taxes. And, you know, <laughs> like, can yeah. he get that money back? He can't. Yeah. And now, now he's trying to figure out what to do. He could buy another house in any country he wanted to go play poker, but he can't do that because he was a good citizen and he paid his taxes. And this is how he gets rewarded. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I can't it's take it. It's sickening. It's there's there's it's the time when sick is actually should be used in poker like what yeah, the government's yeah. doing to its citizens it is it's sick, but um yeah. so let's let's talk about uh yourself Alex and you know and some of your background uh, just sort of start how did you did you first get into poker was it the typical sort of deposit fifty dollars online and spin it up or did you start live or home games what was your sort of uh, first oh, steps into poker. Well, you actually nailed the first amount I ever put in online, but <laughs> I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, they, yeah, I, uh, uh, I, at the time when I was in high school, I just was uh, hanging out with some of my friends, and I was kind of into metal music and like Japanese comics. I was just really a geek, and uh, they, there was this circle of kids playing hold'em, and uh, I didn't even know the rules of the game. I didn't know if a flush beat is straight. But they were playing on credit, and I, I don't know, like a lot of people think I'm bullshitting when I say this, but I remember thinking the first time I ever played the game, thinking like, this is such a stupid game. You just wait for a hand and then you bet it. And versus those kind of players, I just really started making money. And uh, uh, my family was on food stamps. We had a, uh, I got free lunch at schools. Uh, 
the school had to give me my graduation clothes when I graduated. Like I wasn't, I, I had to, I moved from my house to uh, block uh, in Everett. It, I don't know if a lot of people know where that is, but my block got hit by SWAT four times in like the five months I lived there. And like cars always got broken into our house always got broken into, like I didn't have a lot of money. So poker just seemed like the way out. And it seemed like everybody wanted to play it and nobody, a lot of people didn't know what they were doing. And I didn't really know what I was doing either, but I had a bit more of an idea than other people. So I just started running games in the back of the class and making 10, 20 bucks a day. And then it started growing. And then uh, eventually I had a friend uh, give me $50 on full tilt. Uh, I took, I won a $5 sit and go and I took second in a $5 sit and go and I just paid him back the 50 bucks that night. And I've actually never deposited. That was all the money I've ever had online. And wow. yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I just kind of kept building up from that point, trying to be real careful with my money. I was pretty slow. I'm not going to lie. It was you know, a lot of concepts took me a long time to learn, but I just kept putting in the hands and believing in myself. And, you know, you know, fortunately it all worked out. Yeah. It's an amazing, it's an amazing story. When, what, what, when was that, Alex? What year was that? That was, uh, let's see, I was uh, 15, 16 when I found poker, so that was like 2004, 2005-ish, and then, uh, right. then yeah, I, moved, I became a professional poker player in, on October 31st, 2006. That's when I quit my last job, and that was, uh, yeah, that was when I was 18. Nice, nice. So when you were first starting out, you sort of say you were a little bit careful in terms of money management. You mean you were you were careful and what sort of you know buy-ins per game and, and stuff like that were you operating off of, or were you taking shots, etc.? Uh you know, like uh, for my age, I'm actually considering how impulsive and stupid I was with other life decisions. I'm actually really surprised looking back how good I was with the money. I. I just kind of realized it was uh, when you're when you're playing poker, that's like being a printer and your money is your printing mill. You can't ever get rid of that. You need to figure out you need to figure out a, a way to work that. And I, so the, the rules that I came up with, I found an article about it and I kind of stayed to them religiously was. 60 buy-ins for a sit-and-go was pretty protected. Like, you could – in back then, the sit-and-goes were so soft, you could have as little as 30 or 40 buy-ins, and you'd probably be okay. And then uh, with tournaments, I always thought I needed 200 buy-ins. And with cash games, I always stuck with 100, which sounds excessive, but by the time I got into cash games, I was playing a ton of tables, and I was kind of a little crazy – so I kind of needed a huge cushion, but at, at, at the worst, I never had less than 30 buy-ins at, at a cash game. And 30 buy-ins is really cutting it too close. Yeah. About 50 or 60 is, you know, more where you're taking just a smaller shot. And yeah, I just kind of stayed within those boundaries the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it depends on your edge in the game and stuff as well. Oh yeah, definitely. If you I mean, like, I've taken shots now that I, you know, I feel like I know what I'm doing with the money a little more, but it's because I've seen, like, a, you know, a huge 25-50 game that, or 50-100 that just looked incredibly juicy or something like that. But, yeah, if you don't have that big of an edge on the game, you should have a ton of buy-ins in your role. Yeah. I mean, um, it's something, again, I spoke with uh, Dusty Schmidt in a previous interview, and he said the same amount, 100 buy-ins. He says anything below People are just kidding. You know, Chris Ferguson did the channel 
uh, channel, the challenge zero to 10K <laughs> with 20 buy-ins. He says 20 buy-ins are level and stuff. And yeah, that's Chris Ferguson and, and whatever. But he's he says anybody thinking, you know, of 20 buy-ins at cash games, they're, they're going to go broke, you know, eventually. Oh, oh yeah, you're going to go broke. Well, like when I play, I mean, the, the sites I grinded on cash games the most were like uh, Cake and some Euro sites. And mm-hmm. uh, in like Cake was a lot softer and not as aggressive as a lot of these American sites. And I remember just staring at my computer a few times and just boom, six buy-ins gone in two minutes because while I was playing 12 tables and that was completely normal. That happened, that happened once every few days. Mm -hmm. And if you just had 20 buy-ins, there went 25% of your role. So like, I don't know if you, I'm sure Chris Ferguson only played a couple tables and focused so much he could up his edge. But yeah, if you want a multi-table the way that Dusty Schmidt does so well, you're, yeah. you need a buy-ins and a hundred is perfect. Oh yeah. Well, me and my friend were recently playing a uh, rush poker, you know, on full tilt. And uh, we were watching some of the training videos and stuff on that um, specifically for rush. And we were grinding it out for the rate and set ourselves a little challenge and stuff. And we were trying to do it with, uh, 25 buy-ins for a level and like for us by no means that you know we jedis or anything like that far 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 from it (laughs) but uh we were sitting playing and yeah i could go on and i was four tabling uh rush and you could easily you know well i could easily drop you know within i mean you're getting like over a thousand hands per table so per hour so it was like um just insane completely insane you know it was like just yeah. maybe six buy-ins would go and it would as you say it'd be completely you know standard hands just and just because you're seeing so many hands in such a short space of time it would just feel like jesus you know and then the variance you know combined with it happened so rapid it was just setting me off on complete tilt and you know we had to stop <laughs> it was just insane you know set over set over set like was just common you know, like, yeah, no, it happens. You're seeing so many hands. Oh, it was unreal. You know, it was like if anybody's ever, you know, I, I I've come from sort of life, but I first started playing poker live, just little games at the casino with maybe thirty, forty players. You know, in a tournament and usual uh, faces at the cash games, and the hands in like a month of rush, I probably seen more hands than I played lifetime in three years of playing poker. Because I know, is that, that insane? <laughs> And anybody that says, you know, oh, that can't happen, anybody that wants to see anything in poker should play Rush Poker for a month and they will see, you know, quads over quads and one out of this, everything. It was just yeah. such an eye-opener. But in terms of cash games then, um, you agree with Dusty, it's like 100 buy-ins and tourneys, you're saying sort of 200 buy-ins. And that's yourself. Um, do you, is that something you still sort of go to? I mean, obviously for the bigger buy-ins and that, you'll have your own you know, sort of game selection issues, and I don't know if you backers and stuff like that, but for, you know, for guys sort of starting, you know, with a few thousand dollars or maybe like a thousand dollars, you would sort of tell them to aim for that, for those levels that you say. Yeah, you, you want to aim for it. Of course, when you're starting, it's a little difficult. Like when I started with 50 bucks in my full tilt account, I obviously didn't have 60 buy-ins for a lot of things. So the the idea, the thing you got to consider is how, easy it, is it for you to replenish your bankroll if you have a big bankroll that's something you need to really protect like i've blo- i blew a huge bankroll about 2 years back and it's taken me 2 years of working 60 hour weeks to get back and it was just taking making stupid shots 
being stupid about bankroll management. It's like you will pay for it dearly if you are not staying within uh, the realm of reason when you are ma- managing your bankroll. But if you're if you got a couple hundred dollars and you make two k a month and that's like you're just recreational money, then Obviously, you don't want to put it all in just one tournament because then you're kind of rolling the dice. But, you know, you can you then maybe like 20 buy ins or whatever is fine, because then you're just really trying to see if you can build a role. But once you once you turn that into a thousand, two thousand, that's the time to start playing, you know, ten dollars signals, ten dollar tournaments, because then it's going to be much harder to lose that money. And you're going to have you're. To me, poker is most fun when you're slowly building money, when it's a slow hustle and mm-hmm. you're just inching up, inch, not inching up, but you're gradually building, building it and you feel like you're building something big as opposed to just swing, 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 swing. I hope, I hope yeah. things go well. Yeah, it's like um, from a personal point of view, I've played poker for about three years. And um, I spoke with you before, um, just, you know, privately through an email and it was I told you that I made a fair amount of money, you know, six figures, uh, non-poker from import export and a few other bits and pieces. Uh, yeah. That sounds very shady, but it was it really wasn't. If there's any, <laughs> if there's any authority, you know, if if the department of just well, I'm UK, they can you know they can't extradite me or anything. But um, it was just I made you know a fair amount of money, and I did what any young guy would do, probably yourself, you know, blew through it on uh, travel, good times, alcohol, gambling not poker, you know, blackjack, whatever, and just, just spending it, designer clothes, yeah. and, and just on nonsense, and I remember getting down to, like, my last £20,000, which is, like, about 35 k and I remember thinking, I'm not going to go broke with this, I'm going to use this money, you know, to build, build back, and that money went the fastest, because it was almost like a sort of, I had to get rid of it, I had to empty the clip to start again, because my mindset was just on easy, fast money and the way that money had came. And I just, it was like almost cathartic. I had to just blow it all and go. I, I, I hit zero. I actually went minus because I was due a lot of people money. And I built back through non-poker stuff, buying and selling and stuff. And um, I don't know if anybody listening, you know, has uh, read your blog, but I know it's a very popular blog. Um, if you Google random, is it random thoughts of a Seattle-based pro? Something? Yeah, random thoughts from a Seattle poker pro. That's it. If you uh, Google that, you'll find it. And um, also pokerheadrush.com. May as well get another plug in for the site. Uh, you can <laughs> find all that Alex's right in there. And I remember a great quote that you said. It was something like uh, in one of your uh, big blog posts, um, and it was like stream of consciousness, but the bit at the end really stuck with me, and it was about uh, now you see that you're building a pyramid. Rather than, like you say, swinging for the fences and all the stupid stuff, you're building like a solid foundation, and slowly, and in sort of enjoying the ride and, and going back up. Is that very much how you feel still today? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm doing... Yeah, it's been it's been really different because like before the way I made money was I I went through a period of time where I just didn't really continue learning about poker and I didn't love poker the way I used to love it. And I I got into drugs. I started backing half the world that I could find. And then I in. Yeah. in something you were saying that I really thought about is like I really had to go to zero before I thought uh 
I guess the chips are so itchy in your fingers because you f- still feel like you're in the game. You feel like yeah. you're in a you're at the at the end of the clock, and maybe if you get a few goals in, you'll you'll pull this one out because you're still in the game. You still have a score. Once you have no score, once you're kicked out of the game, you start really you know realizing like wow that that was a huge opportunity and I just blew it, and mm-hmm. that's that. And yeah, this time the uh, coming back up recently, I you know I didn't uh, I used to have incredible problems smoking weed, smoked weed all day every day. I made a lot of money when all I was doing it. I I in yeah it was just something I did all the time. I used to drink all the time. Uh, I used to pop pills. Uh, I used to just kind of be a nasty person, and you know it made me a lot of money because it made me someone I'm just not naturally. And it made me really aggressive about making money, but it also kind of emptied me. And coming back this time, I've, you know, just been completely sober thanks to my girlfriend's help and everything. And uh, really focused on working on side businesses as well as uh, just making money at poker. And the more I've done uh, work making videos and writing articles and stuff like that, and the more steady money I'm getting from lessons and stuff like that, the more it it teaches me so much more because I have to reevaluate my craft and really think about how I perceive poker totally. And it, to teach someone is to learn yourself and it's completely reinvented my game. And I, I've been so thankful for the uh, scores that I've had recently and just building up. It feel, it does feel like building a pyramid. Now it really feels like building a strong base for a strong foundation for a lifelong career as opposed to what I was before, which was just a kid playing cards who could make some money. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you, for yourself, I'm sure it was pretty much the same, but from, for myself, I sort of, once all the money was gone, it was like, wow, you know, things started to hit you slowly. Like things I used to take for granted, you know, just pulling out, you know, one K here and going having fun and stuff like that. And you just simply couldn't do it again. And it was like, I started to feel like not even as, uh, it's going to sound a wee bit, like not even like it was me as a person. And I started to think that the money and all that bullshit and the partying and stuff was like my identity almost. And then you sort of start, you beat yourself up and then you go, ah, right, we'll move on. I can bounce back. You read a little motivational story and you're back. And then a few weeks later that, the reality hits you when you go, Jesus Christ, what I've got to do now to grind out $1,000 when I used to take out that and just, you know, piss it against the wall. Yeah, it's like, it's such a mindset shift. And I'll be honest, it's like three years for me uh, this year. uh, And I'm probably just in the last six months starting to really, like, accept the reality, you know, my situation. And and I'm enjoying the ride now. And I'm a lot more secure financially. I'm doing better and I am making the right decisions. And doing things, you know, for sort of self-education and stuff. And I think, I think the key is that um, I remember at the time when I was blowing all the money, I th- you probably got the same advice, but I got a lot of older friends um, from the business I used to do, the antiques and stuff. And they used to say to me, you're wasting your money on the, the clothes and the chasing the girl and the drinking stuff. And he's like, you're going to regret this so much. And at the time, I thought they were so stupid. I was like, you kidding? I'm having a, I'm having a great time. And it's, yeah. I, I think everybody, I think you have to go through it. I remember reading a book and the guy says, the first time you make a load of money, blow it and get it out of your system because you will understand it and the, you know, <laughs> the reasons and stuff. 
and he's like, it'll be cheaper. You're better doing it now before you're, you know, I blew like maybe six, but I, I think I read from memory, reading through your blog, I mean, it was, was it a million or something you bust out, wasn't it? Or did you not uh, make like... A, a lot. Uh, I lost... I lost several hundred thousand in backing. Uh, I don't even want to get into what I used yeah. to spend. Backing yeah. Just so, on. so, well, at least at least when you make, you know, your five million, or you, you won't go and do it. You've got off cheap sort yeah. of thing in the long run because it is. It's such a mindset, and it's you know. I think like you know, I myself like you know, you know, is in a, a a steady relationship now and stuff, and all those things that I used to I used to laugh at people in relationships. I used to think they were <laughs> complete fools. You know, I used to go, "Are you crazy? How can you tie yourself down like that?" And blah blah blah. And you know, it sounds soppy, but it is. It's probably the best thing. It's probably the making of me. You know, and um, it's it's crazy. But um, so let's talk a little bit about Poker Headrush. Uh, I I really like the site. I, I like the content, and I must be. I must say, you you manage to put a lot of content on as well, um, which is something OneOuter.com could probably take a leaf out your book. <laughs> yeah, I find I find it very difficult to you know I'm just a one man band to try and like write content and stuff now and again, but uh, I try and focus just on the interviews. But I really like the Jack Welsh guy you've got. Um, oh yeah, I, I, I think he said you is he your life coach or you've used him for life coaching before and stuff. He's he's known me since I was pretty much at my worst, and he's always and he's always just he's he's pretty much the best coach you could have because he'll he'll tell you things that you need to hear, but he's never he's never gonna shove it toward you. He's gonna make you learn it yourself. He's gonna I, I don't know how to explain it. Like a lot of people were trying to give me advice at that time, but they were really judgmental and. Mm. I just didn't have the time for it because I was like, oh, you don't know the shit I've been through, blah, blah, blah. I do whatever I want now, whatever. And he, his thing is he's very open to everybody and listens to everybody and is very accepting of everybody. But he'll, get, he'll lay it down and he'll tell you exactly why what you're doing is wrong or what, n- not wrong, but uh, what, where you're headed if you take this type of decisions that you're taking. Because, I mean, that guy's been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I mean, he's – uh, 60 something. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't even know how old he is, but I mean, he's lived a pretty crazy life and he, he really just kind of sees all the angles in life. And yeah, he, he's done a lot of counsel for me. He helped me a lot when I was getting sober. I probably would have gone insane without being able to talk with him almost every day. And yeah, I'm really proud to bring this site to everybody and to kind of give both sides of the coin, like the young guy coming up and uh, thinking about things in that way. And uh, the, the old timer, I hope he doesn't mind me calling him that, uh, who understands, thing, uh, understands things in a bit of a different way. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, as I say, I'm, I've read your blog uh, very frequently. And one night, the first night I found it, just uh, I read one of your articles in the magazine and I went onto your site and I started reading the post and I read another one. I read another one and I says, Oh fuck this! I'm going to the start, and I went to the start, and I I did. I read it through, and I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing you or whatever, but I read it right through, and I've showed it to a few friends and stuff, gave them the link, and you know hopefully they've read it. And I find myself with uh, PokerHeadRush.com, the stuff on there. I go on and I look and I'll go favorites, and I've actually got a folder in my favorites now that's like PokerHeadRush articles, and I'll save the links to them, you know, because the content is just so good. 
I mean, that Jack Welsh guy, the stuff he seems to pull out all the time is just uh, so it's it's self-help. And it's but it's not in a sort of like wishy washy way. It's very on the level for poker guys, you know, in a language that poker players can relate to. Uh, well, I, I can certainly, you know, and just really good content you're putting out. So um, are you going to start doing, I know you do coaching as well, don't you, Alex? And if anybody's interested in approaching you for coaching, they can contact you through pokerheadrush.com. Yeah, do you have your contact details on that, I'm assuming? Yeah, uh, well, I should just say it on here uh, to get another plug-in. Uh, yeah. Assassinatocoaching at gmail.com is where you can get in touch with me. And, yeah, I'm teaching a lot of guys now because I find myself with a lot of free time as I'm uh, figuring out all this uh, poker starts full tilt stuff. Yeah. Um, well, what I'll do is uh, when I post the interview on the on oneouter.com, uh, I do a little uh, text, you know, about the, the interview as well. I'll put your email in there. I'll get that off you in Skype, and I'll put that in there, and people can contact you, you know, if they want oh, cool. uh, coaching or anything like that. So, cool, um with the scoop and F-tops, I actually feel quite bad now asking you for it, especially when you tell me today. I was thinking, this is going to be cool, a US guy. I was thinking, you know, you're going to be free to play with it. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, hopefully, you're going to get that sorted out. I take it you just need to show them some sort of visa thing or because you've been in Costa Rica for a while, haven't you? So. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, It's a bunch of paperwork I was being lazy as hell about, but it's not going to be that hard. Yeah, so hopefully you got well. The mini F top starts on the eighth. Is that something you would be playing or? Uh, probably not. But I can give no. tips to your listeners. Yeah, and well, the scoop, the scoop certainly starts on the eighth as well, and that's got yeah. the three levels of buy-ins for the high roller guys and also um, peasants like myself. Um, <laughs> so uh, maybe we could like sort of take it through sort of like Assassinato's um, guide to scoop and many f-tops sort of these large multi-online tournaments um maybe just sort of take us through sort of like a, a little uh, insight and things what people should be looking at and stuff they could maybe do you know and you you just sort of like take it away there on just sure. stuff uh in a very uh in a very broad sense what you're trying to do to get through a lot of people and i know you've heard this from a lot of different professionals, but it's play a lot of small pots. But what I mean, what, what I mean by that is just, you're trying to reduce your variance by taking a lot of small pulls and seeing if you can double, triple your stack with that. And you're trying not to lose that big of a pot. Should you make a mediocre hand, but you still want to try to get value from those type of hands. So if you, uh, so the tools that I have, most of my students use is hold a manager because mm -hmm. that really allows you to kind of sort through the different types of player and figure out what bets are going to work versus them and which ones are not. And uh, Table Ninja on both on both sides, Full Tilt and uh, Poker Stars, essentially what Table Ninja does for you is it automatically puts in uh, the raise size that you would like to do. So if instead of raising to 3x and playing a slightly bigger pot, you can just click the raise button and it'll raise to 2.5x or 2.2x the big blind, and then you can kind of play a smaller pot like that. It also gives you more time to think, so it allows you to play more meddling hands than you would normally be able to if you were playing a um, bunch of tables. And it allows you to raise more often and take, uh, you know, just cheap shots at the blinds, uh, cheap shots at flops, uh, 
you can really get away with a lot if you just pay attention to the statistics behind you on hold a manager. And if you have a number of tight players behind you, remember when you raise to about two, 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 two 2.2 times the big blind, your raise needs to work about 50% of the time without cards in order to be profitable. So if you think they're folding behind you 60, 70% of the time, you should be raising with any two cards. And, uh, if you have hold a manager, you'll be able to identify which players are tighter behind you. And with Table Ninja, you'll be able to put that raise in very quickly when you're playing a number of tables. And then if somebody calls you, you can use hold a manager again. Uh, they have a statistic there that's uh, fold to continuation bet. If uh, somebody has a fold to continuation bet that's about 60%, that tends to be a pretty honest player. So you can take a lot of cheap shots at them. And if you have somebody who has a full to continuation bet that's around 40%, that's a dishonest player. So you'll know to just kind of shut down right away. And uh, oh, there was one other thing I was going to say that I completely forgot. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's pretty much just sorting through the players, trying to play small pots. And, oh, the other thing is remember to play your mediocre hands as if they were mediocre. Top pair is not that big of a hand. When you flop top pair, there is nothing wrong if you're playing like ace four, like you thought with the ace outside of the deck that your raise preflop was profitable, if somebody calls you and the board comes ace eight six, this is where your play becomes unprofitable so often because so many people find a way to back call, check call down three streets, lose a ton of money. When really, if your raise preflop was profitable, you could just check fold here a hundred percent of the time and you're fine. But mm -hmm. You can definitely check and call one street or our bet and just try to play our bet one later street if your opponent checks behind you and just try to play a small pot. So, yeah, it really comes down to that, playing a lot of small pots, trying to get a little value from your one pair type hands and trying to destroy your opponents when you flop better than two pair or three or three of a kind or a flush or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I know from my experience um... – I've had a few, you know, I'm, I've not really played that many, you know, online tournaments and stuff, but I've had some decent results. I got, like, fifth in the nightly 100k. Um, that was, like, that was a decent result. And I, I also had a deep run in the warm-up. Um, got down to, like, I think it was, like, two tables, 21st or something, uh, just over two tables. And I went out to uh, MIG.com, you know, like he needed it. He went on to get second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sitting with like a $2,000 bankroll. First was 112K and uh, I couldn't could, yeah. could win a flip against him. But um, great experiences and stuff. And I find myself sometimes when um, playing that, a lot of it when you get deep, you know, if anyone's lucky enough to get deep in these big tournaments, what's your advice on them sort of keeping it together, you know, rather than, like you say, raising it up with the, the ace nine off and uh, it comes ace high and they're put to a decision on their tournament life and stuff, you know, and and they're pretty deep. It's what, what do you sort of have for like people to, is it just take each hand as a sort of individual problem and just sort of like stay in the moment rather than thinking, you know, if guys get down to like, a lot of these people are going to be taking shots and like the mini F tops and scooping stuff. And if they, they're lucky to get down to, you know, like the last two, three tables when the money is, you know, so big for some people, it's different for guys that are already got, you know, hundreds of thousands or whatever. But guys that are just starting out and this is their shot, what's your advice on the, the novice getting there and just keeping it together? Well, uh, this is going to 
it, it, something I always do when I'm deep in tournaments is just kind of be thankful for even the opportunity to be playing deep in a tournament. And this obviously this is a little harder to be. Uh, this is a little harder to do when you're uh, you don't have as much financially as maybe you once had or as much as you want. But if you simply go in with the expectation that this is hold'em, crazy things happen. Uh, there is going, there is a likely situation that like half the time I win a tournament, I have some horrific hand happen the last three, two tables where I lose 70% of my chips. If you just go in expecting for their, for it to not really be smooth sailing, you're going to be much further ahead than a lot of other people. If you just remember, you're lucky to even own a computer and to be playing online poker compared to what a lot of people are doing on earth. Uh, you, I find you get a little more appreciative of it and you kind of just appreciate the shot for it. And uh, if you put in enough study, there will always be another opportunity. That sounds like BS, but if you, uh, do you, this doesn't have to be your one shot. If you're working hard enough, you will get a number of shots at this. And I guess the real advice is uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't wait until the day of in order to be thinking about these situations you should be putting in i put i still put in so many hours at uh watching training videos taking notes watching other people's hand histories i watch hand histories from poker players all over the world who i respect and just try to think through the plays and whatnot and that way when i get down to final 27 18 of a big tournament i'm i've spent so much time in the flight simulator that i'm not so worried that the fighter jet's going to crash into the ocean when i get behind the controls uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's really taking it one hand at a time. You can ma make your investments as small. Uh, you want to stick to your bread and butter bets if you're a little riled up. A lot of people get freaked out and, you know, they try to find a dramatic spot to four bet or they try to find a dramatic reshove that they would not have done normally. Th those are kind of like hitting for a grand slam in baseball or uh Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about soccer or football because I'm American, but uh, yeah. do you call it a do you call it a hat trick there? Yeah, yeah. A hat yeah, trick's three. A hat trick's three goals, and I understand what you're saying. It's like maybe in golf, if you think of you know, there, there's an easy shot like a layup. You know, they can maybe lay it up and then chip on and putt and, and finish out par. But some people just like you're saying because of the moment, they feel that they have to you know go for the green or go for the hole go straight away. It, yeah. Yeah, and it's just stick to your bread bread and butter bets. The open is one of the most profitable bets, and it's one of the smallest investments you can make when you're playing no limit hold'em. Uh, remember, remember uh, it usually with blinds and annies. If you raise to two to two point two five x around that amount, it has to work about fifty to fifty four percent of the time to be profitable. Analyze their learn how to use hold'em manager. Analyze the three bet statistics behind you and the fold to steal and just their overall statistics, what kind of players are behind you. And you'll find so many spots where people are probably folding behind you 60, 65% of the time. Make your decision and be comfortable with it. If they re-raise you, who cares? You decided it was profitable beforehand. Don't get pissed off. Don't feel like somebody's bluffing you. If there's an aggressive player at the table, don't feel like you have to take a stand against him. That's going to be putting in so many of your chips, stick mm -hmm. to 
stick to opens that you think are profitable. And if you have a player that's really aggressive, another statistic that's really helpful and hold a manager is their fold to three bet. If you see somebody has a high fold to three bet percentage, like 65, 70%, you can three bet them without cards a lot of the times. And that's, that's a really good defense against that type of opponent too. I know I'm giving a lot of ideas right now, but this hopefully will give your listeners an idea of where they can kind of focus their efforts on studying before they, before they get to these. Uh, oh, definitely. I mean, ju- just what you've said there, Alex, just what you've said there totally hits home with me. I've seen myself um, playing one of these tournaments, and, you know, you, you, you raise it two and a half times uh, big blind, and the guy three bets you, and you instantly start thinking, oh, he's, he's making he's three betting here, cause, so I'll four bet. And then he five bets, and you've got the ace jack, and you go, you start sort of convincing yourself into calling. You know, you're before you know it, you're in deep, and you're like, and then you go, oh, I'm pricing. You call, and he shows you two kings or two aces, and you go, ah, oh, it's such a fucking, you know, cooler. He's four bet, you know, but he's not. You ha- you have to listen to the information. I think is what you're saying, isn't it? You have to yeah. listen to the feedback you get, and when you're making a bet, you know, every time you make a bet and they do something else, they're telling you something, and guys always. Um, I remember someone else saying to me is give everyone credit until they show you otherwise, you know, reason to otherwise not sort of thing. Um, because people yeah. will talk themselves that they're being bluffed. You know, it's an ego thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mean, the other thing is uh, your potential for growth. Like when you make a big risk there, like you do, like in your example, you play the 40 big blind, 50 big blind pot uh, with your chips, with ace jack versus kings or whatnot. Uh, if you go from 50 to 100 big blinds, your chances of winning that tournament have probably gone up 15, 20% from like, let's say you were at like 63% now, now they're at like 78%, 80%, right? Mm-hmm. If you go down to zero, your chances of winning that tournament are zero. So mm-hmm. really you're risking like 20% additional chance to win versus 60% no potential for growth. So you, when you make those decisions, you, better be sure they're correct. And yeah, you need to really pay attention to what the information is giving. And the other thing is like, I don't think people use statistics enough. Like there's just so little information you can get based on, like I do listen to like what you're saying, like the speed of the bets and stuff like that. And I love stuff like that. And I really think that's where a lot of players shine. But if you're driving a Ferrari, you should probably check the different speedometers or whatever, the different uh, things. I, I don't know what even what you would call that. Yeah. Uh, just all the different uh, statistics that are on hold a manager can help you so much. You get the like if you're playing that hand versus a guy, you might be attributing a very tight player with more game than he really has. Or it could have been the perfectly correct play because the guy's running like 40, 35 or something and he's from Russia and he just doesn't give a shit. And <laughs> you you, re- you really don't know unless you're paying attention to the statistics, seeing how fast everybody's speeding around the track. Yeah, I mean, Holden Manager, just to touch on that, I only started using Holden Manager about, let me think, last October. So that's like, what, seven months ago? And yeah. that's because I've started playing more and more online because I, I'm sort of bored of the live scene locally. It's not big enough. The, not enough runners. It's a great social site, but there's just not the money in it and what I want to do. You know, I want to become a better player and stuff. So I know I need to do, do it online. Um, and it's just such an eye opener. It's like when I play without a HUD now, I, I feel sort of what the, what's happening here. You know, it's, 
Like you don't <laughs> you don't have any information on the guy because I don't care what anybody says. Anybody that's playing, you know, more than three tables, nobody's paying that good atten- of attention, really. You know, on what exactly. this player's doing and what that. And whereas you got HUD, you got the stats straight away. Even just the you know the first figure, you can go right. You can sort of start boxing players off, and it gives you even a slight advantage over someone that's not using, you know, and then it gives you a huge advantage over somebody that's not using one. I mean, it's just, it's such an eye-opener for me and probably the best $80 or whatever it was that I've, I've spent on poker, you know? Yeah, for, for that $80, it's probably going to re... You're probably going to make five figures, six figures back for what, that $80 investment. I don't know. You've not seen me play poker. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well this, I'm actually, I'm going to commit actually on this... Uh, this podcast thing i'm going i'm going to take a lesson off you myself i I like i I really i've always thought about getting a lesson and i can't think of anyone you know better to do it than yourself just i enjoy your style of uh, writing talking and i don't want to be too sycophantic but i just i think you're a guy i could speak with and learn off and uh, if you've got the patience i'm definitely going to get you know at least one lesson i'll maybe haggle on a rate when we're when we're uh, not recording and we'll we'll see what we can do uh, on a lesson for myself but i'm going to commit to that Definitely. No, oh, thank you for considering me for being your yeah. coach. I it would be a pleasure to teach you. Yeah, no problem. So, um, just to sort of finish things off, Alex, um, what, what sort of have you got planned for this year now? You know, with the with the online situation, and are you going to be uh, hitting the live scene pretty hard? You know, any EPTs or uh, World Series of Poker, obviously as well in June, July. What, what's your sort of plans? I'm going to be at the World Series for most of it, and uh, I should I should be going through a, uh, a you know, the, the season before this last one of the EPTs, I did like half of them while still living here, but I, it just gets so, it gets really tiring, like taking a, a huge plane trip and whatever, and it gets pretty expensive, and I, I do love them, and I'll, I'll probably hit up a few of them, but probably not a ton, uh, and yeah, you know, just yeah, do a, do a lot of the bigger stateside tournaments. Uh, I really want to figure out my uh, legal situation and continue to play online because really online's what I love. It's just what I'm good at, and I love live. But you know that's still that that's so variance ridden. You can go, you can run bad for four or five years in the 10Ks, and it wouldn't be surprising. And yeah, I just really want to get back to playing online. Uh, play a lot live. I, I have some other projects that I'm working on that hopefully will come to fruition. And yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much my game plan for right now. Cool. Well, Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, one more time, PokerHeadRush.com, and uh, have a read of Alex's articles and uh, also Jack Welsh's. And there's a few other guys on there. He's also got interviews and lots of stuff. And uh, when this interview's on OneOuter.com, if you just check it. I'm also going to post uh, Alex's email uh, for anybody that's interested in coaching from Alex. And um, it's, it's been great having you on. A lot of information there. And I'm glad that it's recorded because I can replay it and listen back to it myself. And uh, <laughs> great fun. I, I'm definitely going to have you on again because I had a list, a structure here, and it kind of went out the window because that's the type <laughs> of per- that's the type of person I am. I'm actually on painkillers just now for a, a neck injury. Uh, so I'm... I'm heavily on Cocodamol, and uh, Alex has been drinking a lot of coffee, and it was just one of these things, you know, but definitely going to get you on again, and uh, maybe even sometime uh, try and get uh, Jack Welsh on, you know, the, the life coach guy, 
um, and just for a whole different other subject and maybe do something there. But PokerHeadRush.com and uh, Alex Fitzgerald, Assassinato Online. Uh, good luck in the scoop if you manage to start playing on Oh, what's the situation <laughs> with Stars? Sorry, what's, what's the situation not- with Stars? No, it's okay. Uh, stars, you just need to get a you need to get a bank account in a foreign country and uh, an address, and you're fine. Okay. But yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a pain in the ass doing that. There's a lot of legal work to get through in Costa Rica. And uh, thank you for having me on. No problem. But if I do play uh, one of the scoop events or a couple of them, if I get heads up against you, I'm going to contact Star Support and say, look, this guy should be. <laughs> He shouldn't be playing. He's a U.S. citizen. You know, he, sh- uh, this, he should not be. This it should be a forfeit. You know, it has to go to me. <laughs> okay, Alex. Absolute pleasure. Uh, it was great, man. Thank you for having me on. Cheers.